When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Dude, the Rhino might be back, bro. Football. Welcome in Trenches with Boone on Purple Daily. You can find us on the Purple Daily YouTube channel, the audio version on Spotify and Apple on the Purple Podcast, Purple Daily Podcast feed, I'm Phil Mackey. I never played football beyond eighth grade. He's Alex Boone. He played 10-plus years in the NFL, including a Super Bowl and a year with the Minnesota Vikings. Mm. And uh, we're definitely going to dive into some snap count film. Very exciting yeah. when people want to get into third-string center uh, <laughs> snap count film. Right. You've got answers for us and uh, some know. other things. But let's just start. I know it's been a couple days, but yeah, too. I, think, I think people – People want a lot of things from you all the time because people love you on this show. But oh, they want to know what's going to happen with the Vikings offensive line now that you got a bunch of backups and a center that's never played before. But the other thing people want to know is just your thoughts on this DeMar Hamlin situation. And as we record this here, this is a Wednesday night. You'll probably be listening to this or watching this maybe like early Thursday. Yeah. Um, he's still in critical condition. They're being kind of vague with the updates. He's still in the hospital, obviously, in ICU. Um the updates that we have had come out say that there's progress being made, but to this point, we're all just sort of still waiting to hear more on his condition, but I'm just going to shut up and throw it to you. What was it like for you sort of consuming this as a former player? Um, You know, this is something that we all as fans on my side and players on your side, you know, I, I think we all, from our own perspective, opt into risk. Like, as a fan, I opt into, like, this is m- one of my favorite things, football. And I know that there's a risk for you guys. And you, as a player, go out there, and you know that there's a risk. But I don't know that death has ever been no. a direct option or something you think about until this last Monday night. So I'll shut no. up and just sort of throw it over to you. No, it's like you said, number one, my thoughts and prayers go out to his family, his teammates, his friends, his mom, his dad. I mean, everybody. This is something that we would never want to ever happen, right? Like, we talk about how serious we are out there and how it's a, it's going to be a huge fight or it's going to be a big war, but nobody ever wanted anyone to die. That wasn't the number one thing. Like, we were like, dude, that's not, we're not doing that. We're not soldiers. This is not a real war. We're out here to play a game. So you feel horrendously bad for him. I really, I'm really hoping he makes a great recovery. Yeah. Just because a, a game like this is not worth dying over. I'm not kidding. I was 
Dude, I was kind of emotional because a lot of people were calling me and like, dude, are you watching this? Are you seeing this right now? And I was really the most emotional because one of my best friends was giving him CPR, Nate Presky. And I don't think people give that guy enough credit. And he was my trainer in San Francisco. He was one of our assistants at the time. And Nate, I'm telling you right now, my wife knows him. She's like, he was the nicest guy. His wife was the nicest. They had these great kids. I mean, he was seriously the only guy that I would ever let touch me. He was awesome. And to see him out there, and you and I were talking before about you know, when you talk about these trainers, at times you're like, man, I don't even think these guys like me. You know, they're just always like, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Like, Put some tape on it. Right? You're like, dude, I swear I'm really broken right now. And they're like, you're fine. So when something like this, and I think that's when it hits us as players because we do know our trainers. And we know they're just there to make us feel good and always reassure us that everything's going to be okay. When you see them get very serious, it's a very serious moment. And you can just tell. You can feel it around them. They're just like, hey, listen, this is different, okay? I'm not messing around anymore. Like, they're guys that just mess around all day with us. So when they're like, I'm not messing around, you're like, okay, I'm out of his way. I'm not even talking to him. I'm not touching him. We were talking about the Teddy Bridgewater thing. Here was Shugs. I mean, Shugs was one of the biggest goofs. I mean, he was one of those guys who was always like, you're fine, you're fine. Try to make you laugh, make you laugh, get the hell out of my room. And when Teddy's <laughs> knee happened, I remember Shug's I was standing next to him. We were on the ground next to Teddy, and he, like, looked at all of us. There was five of us standing around, and he was like, listen. And I was like, dude, he is not. He was on the phone with 911, and he's like, you rammed that gate right now. I don't care. This player needs to get out of here now. And, I mean, it's like I'm still getting goosebumps because you think about how serious and intense the moment is, and you don't know what's going to happen to them. And you're you're looking at Teddy, or you're looking at Hamlin on the ground, and you're like, my gosh, this is this is someone's kid. This is someone's dad. This is someone's brother. This is someone's son, grandson. This is a stupid game, and he is seriously down right now. And it's this last one. It just hit a lot of us really hard. And you and I also talked about this Skip Bayless thing. And I think that that's one of the biggest things is when somebody oversteps their boundaries, everybody in the world right now is like, please, God, be okay, right? It's a stupid game. You don't need to die over this game. You don't even need to be seriously injured from this game. And somebody's over here tweeting about the playoffs and how big of a ramification it is. And you, they wonder why people want to beat their ass. And I'm not even kidding. Like if Skip catches hands from somebody, I would not be surprised. It's a, it's a messed up thing to talk about someone's brother. And there's a lot of guys who consider him to be a brother. And that's the other thing that you and I were talking about. People are like, dude, I don't know why you guys are so close. It's, it's another world out there. You're playing with risk, like you said. You trust that the guy next to you has your back. He knows what he's supposed to do. He's going to be in the exact spot. And when they're not and you get hurt, you get upset. And not only that, but nobody is to be to blame here. And it's like, one of our brothers is down. What do we do? You know, you saw the emotion on everyone's face. You saw everyone crying. You saw everyone frantically praying, hoping that everything would be okay. That's how we are with each other. It's literally like it's your brother out there. Yeah. And talking to the guys that called me that were like, dude, I couldn't imagine seeing that you or somebody else. And we started going through our guys, our friends. Like, dude, I don't even know what I would do. I'd be losing my mind if I saw my best friend down there. I mean, how do you... The, the, and I had forgotten until you brought it up right before you know we took the mics here. The, the Teddy thing was at, at one point it was there was some fear for infection and there was some fear that like it was a life threatening situation. Yeah, it was. For it was very touch and go for like the day, anyways. And I'm glad that he has now made a career as at least a sort of a semi starter backup. Absolutely awesome to see. 
But um, when when you're and you're I mean you're literally standing next to him over him or if you're one of these Bengals or Bills players and this was a whole a whole different thing talking about cardiac arrest and and them having to bring the the AED paddles out how do you compartmentalize stuff like this as a player how does something like this change your relationship with football I guess absolutely I would I'd be lying if I said it didn't change my mind for my kids. I mean, dude, this is this is horrific what happened, right? And you start thinking about the fact that it came from a hit or it came from just playing football or it came from something on the field. And it's like, dude, if that were to ever happen, you know, and now it has happened. And I think it's changed a lot of people's minds. I got a lot of text messages from parents last night. You know, I coached the fifth grade team, and they're like, hey, I don't know, man. I'm like, listen, I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. This is horrible. And I hope this kid makes a full recovery, you know? I don't. I wouldn't anticipate him ever playing football again. But as long as he makes a full recovery and he comes back fine, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Football's not. It's not everything. And it, it's crazy because it brought me back to. Uh, <clears throat> I was driving home after watching it, and uh, I was thinking about how uh, when we when I got to San Francisco, day one, uh, Mike Singletary was my coach, and um, he was like, "I want everybody to come up here. I want you to tell me where you're from." You know, tell me a little bit about yourself, family, wife, kids, what your name is, where you went to school, and what you died for. And so, like, everybody gets up there, right? And it kind of hit me emotionally because at the end, I remember Justin Smith went up. You remember Justin Smith made all mm-hmm. pros, yeah. two positions in one year? Dude, so crazy. He got up there, and he was like, yo, my name's Justin. I'm from Missouri. It's year nine. Like, I don't want to die for anybody. I'd rather live for all of you guys in here. And I was—I remember everybody got like super, like, "It's my guy right there." It's yeah, my guy. little dusty. You know? That's how we are with each other, you know. Like he's like, "Yo, I don't want to die for any of you guys. I'd rather live for you." And I was like, "Dude, that's so true." Like everybody in this room is down for one cause, and at the same time, you're going through so much punishment just to for some silly trophy, and to have this affect somebody as serious as it did is seriously sad. And I, I really, thing. and and also too, like. Everyone's looking at me, and they're like, they're really not going to finish this game, are they? And in my mind, I, and I, of course I said no. I'm like, no, there's no way they're going to – because as a player, you're like, no, I'm good. I'm done. You're not getting me on that field again until you tell me that he's okay. If you can't tell me he's okay, I'm not going out there. But what was crazy is how everybody started warming up again. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, there's no way they're going to make them go out there. And I'm telling you, I can – 99% sure they were like, yeah, this game goes on. Until the players were probably like, no, the game is over. Or the, I'm sure, and it looked like Sean McDermott and Coach, uh, what's his name, uh, Taylor? Zach, Zach Taylor, yeah. Zach Taylor. It looked like they were like, yeah, no, we're good. We're not doing this. The refs kind of looked like they were. But guys were warming up, and I wouldn't have been surprised if the NFL was like, you have five minutes when the game goes on. So, yeah, there's been – it's because Joe Buck on the Monday night broadcast was the first one to kind of repeat that, and then it, it got repeated a couple times throughout, like, the, the live reporting that's going on that – Hey, there's a five-minute warm-up period, and it looks like the coaches took control and said, "No, we're not going to do that." And it kind of kind of made the NFL look bad, right? Like the NFL, Roger Goodell is on the phone saying, "Start stretching and go back and play." And um, and I think it was both the NFL PA and the NFL came out in the last couple days and said they don't know where the five-minute thing came from, but obviously, guys, like you said, guys started warming up. And Joe Buck didn't just make it up. You, you don't can make think whatever you want like about that. Joe Buck, but that right. dude's not just making things up on nah. Monday Night Football. I'm telling you, dude, it's sad. 
sad and it's pathetic at the same time. And that's what's sometimes so harsh about this. I had a friend one time, and I'm not going to say his name, but he was very smart. And he was always talking about how, you know, they always want loyalty from the bottom up. and All we want is loyalty from the top down, and we'll never get it. And it's true. And that was your first point right there. Somebody laying on the field, everyone's freaking out. I mean, freaking out. And then somebody's like, hey, it's time to go back in. Imagine what you would do. I mean, seriously, if you saw, like, Declan or somebody on the ground, and then all of a sudden somebody was like, hey, you guys got to finish this. You'd be like, dude, I'm not even in the right head space. I don't even know where I am right now. You need to get away from me or I'm going to hit you. How dare you try to get me to warm back up after my friend gets carted off the field? Like, I'm supposed to just forget that. Like, and that's another thing is, like, Everybody I talked to was like, dude, you know, we've all had to play with somebody that we didn't like or some coach that we didn't really care for. But this is different. Like, you don't just play through this. You can't pro your way through this. Like, hey, I'm a pro. I know how to turn this on now. Like, there's a line. You've officially crossed the line to the point to where I don't know what to do anymore, and I'm not so sure I even want to play. Like, I'm you know what I'm saying? Well, and are you talking, like, in that moment, yes, in that moment, no play. But are you – what about, like, what about this weekend? What about – Playoffs? Can those guys? Would you? I wouldn't be surprised. Would you be able to play a game this weekend? Dude, that'd be tough. At full at full bore. It'd be tough. It'd be really tough to tell you that my mind wasn't somewhere else until you see your brother coming through those doors. Like guys, I'm okay. It's really hard. I mean, you could. I mean, you could even make it even simpler. Or something as like you see a guy with a torn ACL, you know, and you're like, dude. It just hits you differently because they're your brothers and they've gone through so much and they've seen you get cussed out in ways that most people are not even allowed to get talked to anymore. And they just sat back and were like, yo, you took that like a man. Thanks, bro. You know, that's your boy right there. And then people jumping out of their lane like, oh, what are they going to play this game? Dude, at some point they have to fire that guy. They really do. Like, you have no respect for anything that anyone's doing out here. There's a huge risk, and I think we all knew that there was a huge risk, right? We just don't talk about it. It's not like you want to talk about how you're out there having dudes cut your knees while you're not looking or try to blindside block, and then they laugh at you when you're, you know, you're laying on the ground and you're barely trying to feel the side of your face, and you're like, dude, this is – we all know what we signed up for. But I don't want somebody in the media, number one, that's never played to come out and start throwing shade on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, there's always a time and a place, and this one was way beyond. Like, you got to get fired, dude. I'm sorry. If they, and if people want to work with them, dude, that's so low. I, that just – everyone's going to judge you. Yeah, I've never really – and I don't like to sit and necessarily, like, cast stones at media guys, especially ones that make millions of dollars a year and are doing something right. Oh, but I've never, I've never understood him. I don't get the appeal. I don't get – I was telling you before we turned the mics on here that – you know, in, in, on on this side of the industry, the the sort of uh, you know talking head, uh, you know, entertainer, never played the game side of the industry. Obviously, we have opinions on things. Sometimes we crank the volume up on a take or something, right. or we ratchet our personality from a five to a ten, and it's you know it's all in fun and entertainment, whatever. But there's certain moments where you just have to take a pause, survey the room, take the temperature. You don't have to tweet. You don't have to have a take. You don't have to ask What's a question that? about, the, like, just, you don't have to do anything for 24 hours, right? Just just watch, observe, Dude. and soak it in and let other people fill the space, I guess. And that's you, what kind of bothered me about. 
one hundred percent. Especially because he could have just tweeted out prayer hands. I mean, like that's just one of the things that he people are just so inconsiderate, and then they're like, "Well, it's not. It is appropriate. People are wondering it, but nobody's tweeting anything." But please get better. And here's yeah. one guy that's like, and that's what's so sad is like, I'm sure his bosses are probably like, "Oh, this is great. It's got huge attention. It is what it is." There's, uh, that's the only thing I can think if you're not fired today. I'm sorry, dude. There's a line. We all. We all firmly believe this. You cross that line, right? You agree with me, right? Oh, well, I think yes, yes, I agree with you. But I, the, again, I even even before this, I think there's. I don't know. Are you a wrestling fan at all, or am I? No, the but I understand you're... what you're saying. Like there are times where they're like, "Hey, listen, I firmly believe this, so I'm going to crank it up to a ten. Like, well, but but what I, I was going to say is there there's such a thing like there's bad guys in wrestling that are oh, so yeah. great at being a bad guy that you you hate them, but you. But you watch him because you hate yes. him. Like yes. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson for years was a hilarious bad guy. Ric Flair was a hilarious bad guy. Right. And then there's what they call go away heat, which is so. So the good heat is I'm a bad guy and I got the crowd. There's heat on me from the crowd. Um, that's what Stephen A. Smith has been throughout his career. But he knows for when to like fair. turn the yes. dial down. And and then there's other guys who don't understand that no, you're just actually pissing people off and annoying people. That's the wrong kind of heat. And that's that's the difference between Skip and some of the other. I the other bad you. guys in media, so to speak. Stephen A. does a great job of, like, as soon as he presses the button, he kind of, like, says something and backs off, whereas Skip just comes out of nowhere. But the problem is nobody puts him in his place, and I don't know why. I mean, I would just love for someone one time to be like, Skip, let me see your film. Go ahead, pull it up. One time. Let me see it. Where is it? You don't have any? Okay. Shut up. Seriously. Richard Shut Sherman up. did that one time, I feel like, to him, no. like, 10 years ago on ESPN. The greatest puts you in your place <laughs> quote. App. You know, all right, you know what? Let me see your film. Pull it up. I'll give you, you my seventh, have any? I'll give you my seventh grade uh, heavyweights team film if you want to. You're telling me how it goes and you don't have any? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Can I, I one more thing on this and then we can yeah. and then if you've got some other thoughts too, I don't want to cut you no, off. But I just, it's horrible, dude. The th- the thing that was the most chilling as a fan, I guess, is because again, we're we're all sort of every time there's a football game, like I was in a fantasy cha- fantasy league championship battle. You know, on Monday night, and other people were, you know, sweating the playoff seedings or whatever. And we all, we all opt into this thing that's really a game as being a hundred times more serious and important than it really probably is. And as you're watching, like where, where I had chills kind of run down my spine, you've, you've you've seen stretchers come out. You've even seen ambulances come out if there's a you know, fear about a neck injury or something. So we, we, we are at least sort of desensitized to stretchers and, and things yeah. coming out. But when, when they put him in the ambulance and the crowd started clapping because there's 70,000 people, they can't really see what's happening. Right. It's natural for, okay, all right, whew, okay, they're clearing the field. Let's clap and encourage, okay, this is getting better. And then you looked at the, I don't know, 110 players that were all surrounded, and they didn't do – there was no thumbs up. There was no, like, pat your brother on the shoulder on the head. There was no, like, clapping or, you know, a hundred players and, you know, 30 more coaches were stone-faced and crying. And when you – and you're sometimes you're trying to – you're reacting to see, okay, is that person reacting negatively? Oh, my God. And when, and when the players and the coaches were stone-faced as that ambulance drove off the field, you knew it was different than anything we've – I mean, you and I were both born in the 80s, right? Like – yeah. We, we haven't seen anything like this. No, I'd only heard about – I heard they had told me, because when I first got to the league, there was coaches that were really 
old school dudes, like dudes that had played in some of the 70s and 80s. And they were, they had told me that they had, there was a guy before that they were like, dude, nobody really knew him. They just knew that said it had happened, but they had always just kind of been like, dude, it's never happened. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, you'd sit there and you'd talk about stuff and you'd be like, dude, I saw a guy one time, you know, shed or whatever. And the one thing is like, dude, no one's ever died out here. Thank God, man. And it's, Terrific, dude. To even think, and the fact that everybody saw it too, you know, horrible. Yeah, well, the, I mean, Cor- Corey Stringer, you know, Vikings legendary offensive tackle, um, right tackle. Stroke, practice training camp. Ever. Yeah, and he he had a, a locker right. shrine for years and years, but that happened at a training had, camp practice. He still yeah. had the Corey Stringer shrine, dude. I used to, he was such a badass. Oh, Corey Stringer was a dude. He was. I watched some of his tape. He was a monster. He's a big man. Yeah, I remember going by his locker a lot, thinking about him. Such a shame, dude. I mean, it's yeah. like it's just a game. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to even think about that stuff. Well, do you want to transition into? Yeah. Now, now that we've said all that. Yeah. Do you want to talk some football here? For sure. Okay. Because I think a lot of people are wondering now that Brian O'Neill's out for the season. Yeah. Partially torn Achilles. Let's actually start with, and we've, you know what, we could we could bring up a clip of this here too if it helps. But uh, Chris Reed came in and played center for the first time in his NFL career, and I think my first question to you on behalf of the audience is, you know, Tony Romo came on the broadcast after a couple of just sort of train wreck, miscommunications, false start, some stuff, yeah. and he said, and, and and Romo came on and said, you got to simplify the snap count here. You you just if it means that the Packers are going to get a jump on you, so be it. But you can't have, like, seven five-yard penalties. So when something like that happens, and, by the way, you're on the road, so you might have and to go down. silent anyways, and you're losing and they know you're going to pass, right? What what was happening there for the Vikings once they got to their third-string center? I mean, it's exactly like Tony said. you got to keep it simple at that point. I mean, there's a lot going into it, and I think a lot of it was – you get out there in a passing situation, and we had broken down some of their film today in the gym about how, how things were going and the defenses that they were doing and the defenses they were pulling. I mean, I'm sure, Chris, like you said, it's his first time playing center, and people don't understand the most important position on the field at all times is never the quarterback. It's the center. It's because he's the guy that directs all the traffic. And if he even messes up one iota, everybody below him gets messed up. You know what I'm saying? Like if he might ID something wrong or all of a sudden he doesn't say the right snap. I mean, all these things affect everybody. And that's what's so crazy about this. And we had talked last week, I think it was, didn't we, about the depth and being able to have good depth. You called this. (laughs) You said if one or two guys go down, it's it's no excuse. It isn't. But but the front office has to have put together competent backups, right? And I think we're we're about to find out. Well, this is another thing, too. And this is one of the things I talked to the guys about in the gym is like in practice and while we're training, these guys are obviously trained for the combine. And when we're training, things are very easy. Right. And you see, you feel like they're simple and you're like, man, I understand what's going on. When it changes is when we're throwing live bullets at you. And this is one of those situations. I've never played center, practice center. It's great. It's easy, simple. When you get out there and you're firing live bullets and you got a mic ID somebody and all of a sudden he's calling for the snap count and all of a sudden the mic's walking up like right here, right? Like go back, 
Or, you know, take, I'll get you. Yeah, I'll get you my the, back uh, end zone. The end zone here. For sure. for the for the YouTube audience and for the for the audio only audience, twenty minutes in, find us. So anybody that was in there today, we talked about this front. This is an even front, right? Campbell starts in the middle. We're probably whole here, right? We're keeping everybody right here in this box. We're keeping it super simple. Probably got a chip over here on the right. That's why he is where he is. And I'm sure Delvin's going to be helping on the left. But when you set this, right? You can't see Kurt clapping from this angle, but he's clapping a lot here. He's clapping a lot for the ball. We get a head bob right here, and then everybody waits, which to me makes me think that this is kind of on one. Because if one guy moves, he's probably wrong. If so, more, okay, so right here, Chris, so you're talking about this right here. Watch Chris Reed's head for the audience. Yeah, he's doing a head bob. So should, doesn't that signal that the snap is coming? It's Everybody's different, and that's one of the things that we talked about a couple of days ago in the gym was not everybody's head bob is the same, and it's because if we all have the same head bob, then the defense can eventually pick it up, right? Yeah. So you'll go into the game, and sometimes the head bob is two, there's two head bobs. Sometimes there's a head bob down and then a head bob to the side, and then you get the ball snapped. Like, everybody has a different rhythm. And that's why I say I believe this one was on one because the whole left side and Ole Udu and uh, Justin Jefferson all take off. Yeah. Like, when you have more than one guy jumping, the center snap messed up the snap count. So, when let me ask you this. All right, so uh, Kirk Cousins came out today in his weekly Wednesday press conference and said, we have some pretty complicated snap counts. And it's it's a pretty complicated offense, too, and that, that helps us sometimes, but... Can you explain to idiot fans like me what would be a complicated snap count in a situation like this? Double count. Versus something that you could have maybe moved to earlier in this game to avoid confusion. Okay. Number one, everybody's expected to go up there and be a pro, right? So, like, just because the backup comes in and the backup's backup comes in doesn't mean that we can necessarily simplify everything can't give away all of our answers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. While people are sitting up here going, yeah, just simplify it. A double count is a very simple count. And what it does is the number one count, like the first head bob, is supposed to signify the quarterback like white 10, white 10 said, go. So what happens most of the time is when he does this, right, he does this head bob, you'll see the safeties. It, it has nothing to do with what these guys, these seven, these nine guys up front are doing. We don't care about what they're doing. They're going to be wherever they're going to be. It's about these two guys in the back end. And when you do this first head bob, you're trying to see what they do, whether they're staying cover two, right, or are they going to go to one, okay. or are they going to do something crazy, threes, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what we're trying to find. The quarterback is really looking at them. When you run down on the snap count, Sometimes you just got to snap the ball and go because you know yeah. you can't wait. Because the, the play time. clock's running here, but and that's remember, why that's not on Chris. You can't put that on the center, and that's why I say it's extremely hard to go from practice situations that you're expected to win to a snap like this, where all of a sudden at the last second Campbell starts to walk up, changes in your mind. That little friend in your mind is like, dude, this is really happening right now. Don't forget you got to <laughs> snap the ball, and don't forget you got to set square, and don't forget you got to get off the ball. Like before, it was just hey. Get off the ball and play ball. Now it's you got to make the mic point. You got to snap the ball. There's a lot that goes into it, and I'm not making excuses for him because I'm sure he got a little crushed. Like, hey, dude, you're a vet. You're expected to know these things and not freak out when you get into a game like this. But they happen. It's so interesting, and this this probably I, I'd have to go back and look, but miscommunication between center, quarterback, other offensive linemen, or play clock running down and there being miscommunication led to, I think it was like two or three delay of games. It yeah, led it was to sloppy. a fumble at one point, and it led to like 
Ezra Cleveland got flagged twice for false starts, but it wasn't necessarily his. It wasn't like he was jumping. The the ball wasn't snapped. Right? Somebody's got to take the blame. And very rarely are they going to call the center. Like, everybody would have to move but the center, and they'd be like, snap infraction on the center. Yeah. Is this one of the plays from the first and goal on the one? This is the this is this is the first play after Austin Schlotman went out with what wound up being a fractured leg. So this is actually Chris Reed's first play ever as a center in the NFL. And this is after the block punt. So I'm gonna I'm gonna run this live yeah, before first you and then do. We'll go back. I just want you to reiterate that this is your first ever snap in a live game, and it just so happens to be on the one-yard line where two yes. guys are breathing down your neck. Just so everybody understands. Totally understand it now. Got it. Yeah, and I am not, and I am just, and to further clarify, I am not bringing this to the table to, like, clown Chris Reed. Oh, no, but I know I just want your been. thoughts on, holy crap, we just put a third-string center in. This is a, a huge situation here early in the game, and then... This I'll run real. this here for the audience so you can see this. Here we go. Show me some, baby. Blah. So I remember this play. Here we go. Give me the back end zone. Number one. I like that he gets the ball to the quarterback. <laughs> right? That's step one, right? <laughs> I'm just going to state the obvious, right? Like some coach somewhere is like, hey, he did his job. He snapped the ball. What don't I like? He doesn't cover up 93 square. You're going to see that when he steps, he opens up his hip. Now, I talk to my guys in the gym all the time, and I'm like, listen, you can go out there and you can open up like this, but what you don't understand is 93's whole job is to pry you open. If he opens you up a tiny bit, he wins because you're not strong enough to withstand his power with the muscles that are used when you open up your legs. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to staying square, and then I have my glutes behind me, I have my hamstrings, i got all my muscles. As soon as I open up that leg, it starts pulling on my abductors inside my groin. Dude, I'm telling you, we broke it down to a science. And that's why I was always like, listen, you've got to be square on these blocks. You have to be. It's a 330-pound dude. He's got one hand in the ground, and you can't see any of his fingers. He's going straight ahead. He is coming for blood, my dude. You block the punt, and it's on the one. He's pissed. Right? Are, are, are defensive linemen giving away tells with their fingers? No, you know what it is? It's their feet. Mm. Shh, don't tell anyone. Howie taught me that. Howie Long? Yeah. Wow. He was like, bro, they're so lazy now. Look at their feet. They tell you everything. And then we broke down film for like three hours. And I was oh, like, can I marry you? I love that. Oh, my God. You broke down film with Howie Dude, Long? True story. I tried oh. calling Kyle Long yesterday because I needed him to talk to my boys in the gym. And I was, uh, I, was, I was texting his number. And I'm like, Kyle, seriously, call me back. Why are you <laughs> being like this? Are you mad at me? Is your dad mad at me? Like two hours later, I get a text message. This is not Kyle. Dude. <laughs> this, is, this is Bill in Fresno. Stop. Dude, I'm dropping all these, like, Howie Long quotes, and I'm like, dude, I, I, I'm, I didn't mean what I said about him. I was kidding. Your dad's good looking. I'm totally kidding. So right, how, I, have a, I have a dumb question here before we roll this a little further. So how do – so 93 and 97 here. Kenny Clark they, and 93, yeah. Yep, they both shift right at the last second here. What there are they, what are they doing? No, okay. they're just – you know, they're probably messing with you, but at the same time, the goal line plays are so simple. See, it does kind of mess up Ezra a little bit, though, here. See that? Go ahead, switch it. See right there? I guess they did kind of win. 
I mean, you're so honed in at the goal line, and the goal line is the simplest plays because it gets so chaotic down there. Look how many guys are in this tackle box. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then there's two outside. There's nine guys. I'm glad you can count defensive players because we'll get to a play later where the Vikings can't. Oh, is that the one where they had ten guys on the field, like a third and ten, and they were like, oh. We'll, we'll get to that next. I know. So this is why, like, when we get down here on goal line, they're very simple plays. You're probably going to – you can either G to the left where both tight ends will block down and Darisaw will kick out. You can do a weak zone to the right where we're all just fanning and kind of running and hoping it works, and the fullback will take Campbell through the B gap, which would be right outside um, – at Ingram, so like we would fan here to the right, the center's by himself, and that's a sellout block because you're really just like, hey, and it's probably this is probably the exact same play they run here. But the problem is he doesn't sell out enough, and this is when you're on the goal line, man, it's really tricky because these guys are, they could go to the ground and submarine you. At the same time, they could grab you and throw you. But see, he does a good job with his first step, but watch right there. See that right there? See that move? See how he drops his hip? He doesn't drive. And I love Chris to death. He's a great, great human being. He's a great dude. He came in the gym a couple of times. He's cool. But right there, you catch him like that, you have to drive him back. And what he does is he kind of wrenches him. Mm. And at times, it's not wrong to wrench because that is such a big dude and you're trying to get your running back through a little space. But look what he does here. He turns himself in the hole and he creates this problem for Ham. And then all of a sudden, he gets swam. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to staying square and just driving him off the ball and letting C.J. Ham displace Campbell into the referee in the back along with this face mask. And then Dalvin just walks in because what I love here on the backside, watch this, go back. Now, we talk about how bad the tight ends are, and you know I hate watching them block because they suck. But what I love here <laughs> is this B block because watch what it does. It cuts the defense, and this is the truth of a, of, a, of a B block. This is what it's supposed to do, just like that. See how it cuts the defense right there? Mm-hmm. Like between Ezra's right leg over, there's a big gap, and that's exactly what's supposed to happen. If Chris Reed takes his guy back on a track, on the track that he found him, and Ham comes through here, I guarantee you he'll bust Campbell's face open. Dalvin walks in. And this is kind of the theme for the day for me. One guy's kind of messing up every play. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's like one guy every play kind of gets a little bit lazy. And I use that word very loosely because what you're doing is extremely chaotic and crazy. And I was out there at one point with you. But when you don't do it right, coaches see it as being lazy. You knew you had to do it right. The only thing that stopped you from doing it was you. Now, I get that snapping the ball on the goal line in your first play is extremely difficult, but if you get this block, it could possibly change the momentum of the game. You know what I'm saying? This is like these plays come back to haunt you because you're like, I know I can get that block. I know I can do that. I don't know why I turned in the hole. It just it drives you nuts. While we're at it here, I do want to show you. We'll, we'll get to the 10 men thing in a second here, but this was this was this wasn't like a this was a pretty nondescript play. I'll run it for you here, but I thought from my own uh, you know layman fan perspective, I thought the offensive line did a great job on this play, mm-hmm. and Dalvin had to beat one guy, and just, and oftentimes he oh, does. I saw this. Is this, this the zone was, that cuts back through the middle? Maybe you can yeah, tell me. Play it. Yeah, I saw. So it. here he we trips go. over the safety, and he 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 could have busted it. This was a seventy-yard touchdown run. Yeah, ready made right play. here. We watched this in the gym today. Wait, it's a better view going. from the from the end yeah, yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. This is how we watched it. All right. Check this gonna, out. Let's run it all, and then we'll go back. Yeah. Look at this. Look at that. Ugh. This <laughs> is weak. missed it, dude. Just missed it. You got it? Okay. Let's you go, go back, you go back to the end zone here. You, yeah, you know I don't like watching receivers. There we go. 
<laughs> Here we go. So we're in nickel. I love this, right? I love when we can get a nickel defense. A lot of two tight end looks for the Vikings, it, it felt like. It's great. Game. It's great, especially I mean, on plays like this. And when you got backups along the offensive line, bring in hey, some heavies. Sometimes you just throw them in there and tell them to go, and it works. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, we call that 12 personnel in the NFL, Alex. I'm not sure if you knew that or not. Which is crazy. The more you learn. It's funny because when I played, if you would have played nickel to R12, we would have just ran the ball and ran the ball and ran the ball because we had Vernon and Delaney. And then the minute you put base back in, we would start passing the ball and passing the ball. And it would piss people off so much. Well, could you make a case? I mean, the Vikings have the second fewest rush attempts in the NFL this year. I, know. I love me some aerial attack. I love me some Justin Jefferson, and I and I and I'm glad they got away from the Mike Zimmer conservative run, run, pass, run, run, pass. But have they gone a little too far, abandoning the run game? Maybe. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say when you're in third place in the NFC. Well, that's a good. <laughs> it's point. hard to say you abandon anything. <laughs> that's a good point. That's so why you know. I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah, we could have ran the ball more as an old lineman. I love to run the ball more. Okay, listen, we're in an even. It's an even front, but we would call this an over, okay? Because the three technique is to the tight end. And while he is more like an even G right there, we call that a G when he's inside like that. I would call this an over. He, he's probably telling them right now, over, over. He's looking at him saying, hey, we're going to single this to seven. Ed Ingram already told him we're going to be this to Campbell. And backside, look at him. He's, he's telling him right there we're going to 29. You know what he just told him? We're D-ing to 29. That's what Johnny Munt is saying right here? Right there, 200%. He's look because everyone's looking at the count, right? And this is what we talked about in the gym today. Who is the mic? And then from there, who goes where? Now, normally the center always goes to the mic, and the mic right here is Campbell. But right now, we're, since we're running weak and we don't have a fullback for seven, we push it. So now he's going to declare seven. So watch, him and Ezra are going to go to seven. Ed Ingram and Ole Udu are going to go to 59 because once the center gets his count, the next people over get their count, which is 59, and then that's why the tight ends go last, and they go, okay, we'll, we'll take 29 then. So now watch. Okay, let me ask you real quick, a dumb question. When when the tight so you're saying the tight end here, Johnny Munt, is IDing 29, right? Yeah. Or is he IDing 55? 29. He's IDing 29. Well, we wouldn't when, say that. He, he's declaring 29. That's who But when he to. declares 29, does that not give away that this is a run play? Sort of. Does it matter? Not really. Or would you I, would you would you declare twenty nine even if it was a play action? You would. Okay. Just don't want these guys giving away what the play is. You know? Funny story about that, man. You were we did not even talk, and you have hit everything we talked about in the gym today. You so and talk, I have a, a, a telephone. Somebody asked me in the gym, right? The the trainers brought everybody over, receivers, defensive guys, and they sat down and they wanted me to talk to first day. So the guys were asking me, they were like, dude, you know, like they were talking about a kid named James Laurinaitis who played up here, and James yep. and I were teammates, and you know James, he played with mm-hmm. the Rams for a long time, and I was mm-hmm. like, man, you know, somebody said, what's separate? How do you separate yourself? I was like, man, you know, one of the best ways to separate yourself is an IQ. If a coach can spit something out at you and you can regurgitate it back to him in a formidable fashion, he's going to love you, right? If you can see things that they can't see or find something that they can't find, they will really love you. I was like, I'll give you the best example because we just talked about James. We were playing the Rams one year, and every time we checked the pass or any time there was a pass called, they were automatically going to Tampa 2. And we knew their sign for Tampa 2 was like pumping the brakes, right? So – James is, is that like the raise, the raise the roof sign? Yeah. So James yeah. is like pumping every pass. And I'm like, how does he know? 
And so time out on the field, and I'm like, dude, how do you know this? What are you doing? Who are you talking to? We're in 13 personnel. You would clearly think it's a run. One There's a back, mole. There's a mole inside ends. the 49. I'm like somebody. So then everybody thinks it's me because they're like, well, he went to school with them, and he knows him the best, and he goes and sees them after the games because I always went to the Rams locker room and saw James and his dad. James, very sorry. R.I.P., man. R.I.P. R.I.P. the Legend. greatest. Joe was the man. And One so, of the best ever uh, radio row interviews of all dude, time with, with the animal. He oh. was the man. He would come hang out with us because James was my roommate. Dude, he had some of the best stories. Like, what a dude, I swear to God, he's like, you guys. <laughs> so anyways, I go to him after the game, and I'm like, dude, you got to tell me, please. Everyone thinks it's me, and I don't even know how you know. And he was like, all right, I'll tell you. He's like, uh, every time it's a pass, your running back looks left, and then he looks right. And every time it's a run, he looks straight ahead. And I was like, dude, you banked your whole game plan on that? He was like, I sure did. Yes. You are so ballsy. Because what if we would have figured that out and we would have started messing with you? He's like, I don't know. I didn't get that far. Yeah, but if you figured it out and it, you know, two or three times, then okay, well, they figured it out. They thought it was right? me. They were, First it was because, you know, James is your boys with them, and then it was, oh, your stance gave it away. And then when he told me, he yeah. was like, no, it's your running back, stupid. They're always looking. And it was problem was because we always scanned with our running backs. So they always had to find their, who they had, and then they had to go for weak. So they always had to look backside. And then when they ran the ball, they would just look straight ahead. I was like, oh, my God. So you would uh, you would love this. Do you ever play poker? Yeah. So I used to be big enough. I used to be big in the poker industry. Not no, like, I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't big. I mean, like I was big into it, is what I meant. Right. <laughs> Enough so that I would. I used to buy books like this. Okay. If you can see it on the YouTube screen mm-hmm. here, this is uh, Mike Caro's book of Poker Tells: The Psychology and Body Language of Poker. I love it. And it's like 300 pages with a bunch of different things. It's it's a, the whole thing is about here's what people do at the poker table when they're lying or when they're uncomfortable. And so, and this is, I always envision the chess match at the line of scrimmage, linebackers versus Ray Lewis versus, you know, Peyton Manning, Ed Reed versus Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. There's a lot of this stuff, right? So one of the, I'm just open to a random page here, but uh, this tell is called the double check. What was my other card? In photo 19, the man on the left took initiative by betting. The action plays out. Um and uh, and 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 the next player wants to check his whole cards to see if he had two of the same suit. He wouldn't have checked his whole cards if he wasn't on a flush draw, for instance, right? Like you know stuff like that. Yeah. The, the running back isn't looking left and right unless there's a reason to look left and right. Dude. But I feel like like where the Peyton Mannings and the Tom Brady's legendarily would like wouldn't Peyton Manning be up at the line of scrimmage doing like dummy calls and stuff like yeah but this our offense was different back then we tried to we tried to mask everything with the run like we always tried to make it look like we were running the ball and we were trying to pass out of it and so that's why i kind of gave it away but it brings up a good point because a lot of times when you're out there and this is one of those things that like i talk to the boys about a lot is like people don't have plans out there they're just kind of out there playing you know like you never really focus on anything because i remember a lot of times asking questions like hey who rushed on that last play and people that like, i don't know <laughs> Somebody did. I took them, though. Yeah. You'd be like, okay. Or, you know, at times guys would be like, I saw a flash, and I just knew it was him. And whether it was or it wasn't. But 
The problem is when you're out there, nobody's taking note of what's going on. Who are you talking to? Who is he talking to right now? Why is the linebacker behind him talking to him? I'll bet it's because he's telling him, hey, you're going in, I'm going out. Or I'm going in, you're going out. Or if two D linemen are talking to each other, why are they talking to each other? They shouldn't have to talk to each other. So I bet something's it's a up. Twist. It's a twist. Right? Or if he's oh. heavy in his stance, I'll notice that and be like, what rush does he do out of that? If he's light in his stance, what rush does he do out of that? If his feet are flat, if his feet are narrow, if his one foot's far too up, if he's jiggling his hand. Like, they give so many things away, but everybody's so, like, focused on different things that you're like, did anyone else catch that cougar call? No? Okay, listen, cougar means full slant. Okay, stupids? Got it. This is, uh, this is the game within the game. I love Dude, it's it. funny, but it's funny because when it's somebody else does it to you, like our center used to do it all the time, like he'd be like, hey, did anybody get that call? Okay, well, since you're all so stupid, it really means they're all going to slant strong, okay? Yeah. Sorry, buddy. So here it is. We'll roll this from, uh, this. from the Single end Single D, D. Talk to me. And you got a money block out there. 31. I think you're the one that comes in here and gets really lucky. All right, see how square Ezra is? Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. It allows him to get power into Kenny, right? So that makes it really easy because, look, Kenny's fighting Ezra, and Chris just kind of gets into the block. And that's why these combos become fun because while Kenny's fighting you, your center comes in and just cleans him up. Now, you could get into him better. He could have got into his hip better, but I like how he drives him out. Now, this B block, you know I love this, and here's why I love it. He's driving and he turns it, and there's the B our block wall. To, to seven here? Is that what you're looking at? No, the B block goes to 59. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Oh, the, this up front, the single, this is great. Look, you got movement. You got Kenny out of the way. That's exactly what you want. You either move him or you get him out of the way. But you got to get on seven. The backside is what's the most important because look how he cuts the defense right there. You see that? It's yeah. huge. See how he turns back on him, too? It's supposed to look like a wall, and it does. But who's over there pissing me off again, Macadac? Go ahead. Who is that? Is that Eddie. 55 running through? Two guys can't block one guy? Dude, you wonder why oh, they piss me off ends, so much. Ends. I got you, guys. You want, look at this. Bro. That's fine. Yeah, they, oh, they dude, did enough. You sound like a tight ends coach. Oh, they did God, enough. God in his way, just enough, Booney. What are you upset about? He did touched my one, running back. He did touched. that one no. hand derail yes. this play? Yes, it did because, look, he's going to hit him, and then all of a sudden 31's going to come in, and it just messes him up. I'm telling you, man. Okay, okay. okay. Had he just been able to run right through here, he probably leaks out to the left right off of Ezra, away from 31. But he feels so it may have 55. slowed him a half step there, and instead of exploding, yeah, I see. Okay, I'm just telling. You. And, and number oh, two, we're pros. That. If it's not perfect, it's not right. Come on, you got to have the mindset. That's another thing. We're not we're not cocky. It just has to be done absolutely right because that's what they wanted it to do. Done right. He tried to hold here too. Look at these little happy holding hands. Of on course, it's it's, it's not holding as much as it is a quick like pull. Like you give him a quick yeah. pull and it kind of jolts him. Just get you that has. I saw this play. We were all bummed about. It. I wanted to that see that could have been. That could have been a big one. Come on, give me some more. Give me a tough one. Throw me a curveball. Okay. Let's do. Can we do the ten men thing quick here? This is this of is a Vikings defensive. We I don't know how we're gonna break this down because. Well, here's my question. Okay, so first of all, they're all like, count, "Hey, right? look <laughs> yeah. at Kendricks, dude. Get out here now." So yeah, Ken, so who's looking over? Kendricks is looking <laughs> over. Uh, you got is Duke Shelley is looking Shelley's over. Shelley's like, dude, get out here. <laughs> These guys over on the right side are still trying to figure out. Wait, okay, 
uh, how many? There's three of us. Wait, Asamoah? What's going on? What are here? you doing down and if here? And you're, if you're Rodgers, too, this is something you don't see ever, right? You don't just see a team. And and I should back up a step. This is a, th- a key third and third ten, ten play. Yep. I think it's late in the first half, and the Vikings are they're down by a couple scores, but it's still a game. You can still come back, right? And you just you just need a stop here. And it's again, it's third and bleeping ten. If there's ever a time to use a timeout or just run a body on the field, or I don't know, use a timeout, this would be the time. So if and you're Kendricks here, are you just calling a timeout? Somebody has to, right? Be careful. Now, KOC, I will say this, okay? KOC values timeouts at the end of the half, much more than most coaches, because you want to have those three timeouts at the end of the half. So it's very possible he has told guys, hey, don't just call timeouts. Make sure that, you know, you look to the sideline first or something. I hate to tell you. This is one of those times. I agree. I agree. There's 10 guys. That's why I was wondering what you were going to say, if you were going to back down from me. But, no, you absolutely – look at Kendricks. What the hell's going on, dude? Put your hands together, call the timeout, go over to KOC and be like, dude, we're short a dude. Don't even start with me. I'm going to take care of it. And Rodgers is He's even is looking around like, what do I do? This. Look at Kendricks. What do I do? Do I cover him? Do you cover him? Who the hell's going to cover him? Actually, the fact that the Packers didn't bust like a 50-yard play on this is a minor miracle. I think this wound up being a 15-yard game, which is all they it needed was. on third and 10. Yeah. But – I don't know. I, there's really not a whole lot to break down here other than we'll give you the view from uh, from Roger's standpoint here. It doesn't show everybody. I mean, but. look at that void. <laughs> Kendrick's is like, dude, seriously, I can't cover all this space. You and have. I can, I can like, barely cover space with 11 guys. Stop. Just stop for a minute. I want you to stop. This is like, this goes back into what drives me nuts sometimes, right? Like when you beat yourself and you're like, dude, okay, look, at the left side of the field. Five guys over there. There isn't even five guys on the offensive side over there. No, I think there's. Is there one more guy who's to the left of 85? Dude, let's see here. Look no, at the right there's side. Nobody. There's That's what nobody. I'm saying. Look at the right side. If I'm if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm like, listen, all three of you, just go deep. Go as deep as you can go. I'm shutting 55 down. I'm turning it into a straight L protection. Like we're doing, dude. And Kendrick's, yeah, Kendrick's kind of fell down here, too. Okay, actually, you know what's funny about this? If Kendrick's doesn't fall down here, this is actually a pretty well-defensed play considering they have 10 guys on the field. It's phenomenal. They're in, like, man, too. Credit to Ed Donatel. What a, what a master. And he's just kind of standing over there with his head behind his play sheet. He's your guy. He's your guy. Yeah, dude, I don't know. That's... This reminds me of the 2009 NFC Championship game debacle in which the Vikings, by the way, two plays later they had 12 guys on the field. So they did oh, aver- terrible. They averaged 11 on the drive, which is what you're looking for. Um, the, the 2009 NFC title game and the Vikings in a crucial moment, fringes of field goal range, accidentally ran a 12th guy into the huddle. And there's no turning back from that. Like, you, you, you know, it's one thing when you're subbing guys on and off. Right. When you put 12 in a it's huddle. It's in the huddle. It's a screwed. penalty. Yeah. So and that's what backed them up. About that game, far through an interception. Not a lot of people talk about that game. I feel like Especially everyone talks here. about that game. Nobody talks about it. Hey, you want to know what's even crazier? Is I played against that DC, and he put a hit out on our running back. We tried to kill him. Just putting cash on the table at halftime. Yeah, dude. They had the audio, and they played it for us right before the game, and he was like. Wow. Caught off the head and the body will die. <laughs> and, and I remember we were all like, 
Who's talking about Frank like that? Who dare talk about Frank like that? <laughs> That's Frank Gore talking oh. about Frank. All right, hit me with something special. All right, this Look at is this saucy play. This How many guys game. are on the field? Time out. Two, four, three. Let's count them up. Yep, we're good. We're good. So this is Vikings driving sort of a last gasp here. They're down by a couple scores. They might have been down by three scores at this point. They've emerged into the red zone. They've, I think they've already thrown a couple interceptions, but they're driving again inside the 20. And we're going to run the play here. Okay. Little shotgun. Obviously, we're five wide. Where's Dalvin? So he's in the one position. So this would be one gun. Trips left. Here we go. This play bothers me. And we watched this play today, too. And this is... Number one, we're in even defense, right? Look how wide they are. Go back. Go back. See how wide they are? Clearly something's up, right? Like, dude. It's such a great defense because it forces these guards to come out in space. And that's what guards don't like. Number one, what am I going to say? Get your goddamn hand off of the ground. Why is this a thing every week? I don't know. Every if week? You, if you have your hand up, it's just you're in better position. You know what I'm saying? And this Ed Ingram, like, by the way, for the audio audience is who you're This is like the it. key for me is what I always felt separated, guys. And I showed you the week that they played the Colts. Remember that snap count where we saw Q Nelson take a full set and have to wait for everybody else to get ready? Yep. Like it's just these fractions of time. And see how we're just a just a little bit late well, on. Look at this. Look at this. So everyone else and I I mean hell, I, I can tell you, right? Everyone else is getting close to a good base. They're they're and he still has his hand an inch from the ground, right? That's and that's the thing is when you're in a two point stance, it's supposed to reflect how you're gonna be when you get to your spot. Your stance should look like what you're gonna look like when you get to your spot. And that's why it's so much – it's like a fraction faster of getting there. And it helps you because that fraction will help save you in recovery. It will help you meet him more square. You can be stronger, and you're not rushed. So right here, number one, never throw your inside hand. Why? You have to save your inside. You always jab with your outside. If you throw your inside, there's a good chance you're going to, number one, throw it across your body, and two, he could easily swipe that and go inside, right? Like, it's a very dangerous thing to do. But two, when he's going right here, go ahead. He hits him. See how all of a sudden he turns his hip right there? Mm -hmm. And then right there, it's going to come again. Boom. Boom. Now See that one? Now See he's how perpendicular you start? to the last Right. And that's what you can't do. Look at Ezra. See how Ezra has his back to Kirk? Guys are always like, how do I want to meet the defender? I go, number one, you want to try and be as square as you can to the line until you make contact. Why? Because you don't know what's going on. This could be a twist. This could be a lot of things. If you turn, like see how Ezra's turned, but he's making contact, and Darisaw's not, this looks like a twist, and this is what happens when you kind of meet on different lines. Now, this is fine because what are you going to tell Ezra? Hey, you can't turn like that? He's going to be like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting this guy. Leave me alone. Go away. Mm -hmm. But the problem is when you turn too much, you have no more power. You can't kick anywhere. And he gets that outside arm, and that's disastrous. And they always told me early on in my career, if your outside hand gets swiped, you need one more kick. 
and see how his foot stops. And that's what allows him to get, gain that leverage of the swim. And then his hips get deeper than yours, and you're never going to get anything. And the problem, and I kind of have a little problem here. I don't know how to say this. I'm being really picky, and I'm kind of being a dick. But, like, right about here, ball security becomes important. You know what I'm saying? And you're No, not, this, is, this is valid. This is, a, this is a problem in his career. It's yes. not, though, because if anybody were to be like, oh, I got a real problem with him fumbling the ball, I'd be like, well, you go stand out there with it. Go no, ahead. I'm saying he, he does fumble a lot. No, I know, yeah. but I'm saying, like, you got to be, like, you should feel this. You should feel him coming really, really close. Like, all quarterbacks, all the good ones I've ever played with, like, dude, I can feel the heat coming. Yeah. So you should feel this, and you should have two hands on it, tuck it, get out. Like, dude, he was running a couple times during the he game. This started to make me wonder why the Packers were almost inviting the run through the middle. You know what I'm saying? Because when you go back to this play in the beginning, there's such a void in the middle. And I'm surprised he didn't take off and run here. Could he have – he could have – let's see here. So I agree with you. I mean, again, I'm on, I'm on the couch, uh, you know, eating Doritos, watching football guy. But, you know, I, I watch this play and think – Okay, doesn't have to be a fumble. Doesn't it doesn't mean that the offensive line? This is something that kind of pisses me off about some Vikings fans when we talk about Kirk. Is it's so binary? It's it's the offensive line's fault. No, it's Kirk's fault. No, it's it's no on this play, as you just pointed out, Ed Ingram could have done a better job. So there, if there's a pie chart of blame to go around here, the offensive line definitely gets a slice because ninety percent of, of it, right? 95. But it doesn't mean just because the offensive line didn't do well, it doesn't have to be a turnover in the red zone. Right. Or how about this? How about Dude, if he steps not, up and runs, this might be a touchdown pass coming across right there. But another another gripe that I have at times is the quarterback can move too. You know what I'm saying? Like at times when guys ask me like, do we really have to hold this block? Like, do we really have to move around the quarterback? Yeah, you have to do your best audition of moving guys around him like if the less he moves the better for us right but at times if i need you to move move yeah. you're not fighting this guy i am i clearly i'm i, I missed something help, I messed me, out, yeah. help me help I you slipped the foot my <laughs> hand didn't hit the way i wanted it to i didn't headbutt him hard enough whatever happened right like get the hell out of my way dude and the good ones that i played with were like bro don't even say anything i'm out of your way <laughs> but then like you get a couple that are like hey you're getting close, and you're like, okay, you come block him. Sure help thing, Mudo. Help you. I do want to say, even right? though I we, love uh, you. we think Kirk could have done a better job there with some ball security, we have banded together here with the Cousins Crusaders of Purple Daily, thanks to our friends, oh, the boy. crazy Canadian Cousins Crusaders, to raise money for KirkCousins.org. Um, figuring out this is a fun season. You know, they got they got shellacked, okay, for the third or fourth time, but it's still a 12-win season. He has tied the NFL record for fourth-quarter comebacks, and uh, what better way to celebrate a fun season and some big-time fourth-quarter Pharaoh performances than to go to KirkCousins.org. Five bucks, 50 bucks, 500 bucks, whatever you feel like you can donate, KirkCousins.org, and in the little comment section when you donate, just tell them that you're one of the uh, – the uh, crazy cousins crusaders of Purple Daily, so they know where this is coming from. We can all come together for a good cause, my friend. Um, my uh, my tablet's about to die here, so I have one more play for you. Do it. What is it? I don't even remember what this is. Let's just run it and see see what this is here. Real quick. Oh, it's a Vikings defensive play. So they're in base. 
Oh, okay. This is Vikings defense gets blown oh, up is the on third a big run one. by the Packers. This is the third and one? Yeah. Okay. Would this love your thoughts. This is the thought. pitch, too. We'll get to the uh, the end zone view here. All right. All right. So, ooh, this came up today. One of the guys, I drew this up, and he was like, oh, it's a bear front. I was like, it's not a bear. This what is NFL that? is called a jam front. I want you to draw a line down the three technique to the right. All right. Mm-hmm. No, the three technique. The guy over the guard. Oh, sorry. Draw a no, line I from did. his. That's what I'm right No, here. no, no. Draw a line from. There you go. Well, draw a line from through 94 through the guard. Like through that's his whole body? Is that yeah, that's how we would do it. There yeah, we go. Okay. Just like that. Now draw a line through the center. People, people are getting so mad because I don't know how to draw on a screen, and I will learn better. And we'll get you We'll get you up. I know people. You don't we'll want me to have this thing. Speed. Dude, we'll get Alex up to speed. You should not have seen how bad the whiteboard was today. <laughs> I was drawing circles over circles and Xing off. I'm like, no, you don't understand. If the safety comes down, we have to new mic this. And now all of a sudden I look back and I'm like, Nobody understood a word I just said. This is all just, just lines everywhere. And the mic starts to move. And, hey, don't forget, a 57 can hit you, too. And guys are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, dog, welcome to the big leagues, right? Because you get up here, right? Draw a line through my center. Okay. I'm going to tell you why this becomes really tricky. Now, draw a line through my next guard. Okay. Right? Now, this is the argument that I got in with the boys. This is not a bear front to us. This is called a jam because the core is covered. All three guys in the core are covered, so it's instantly a jam. Now, you start bringing dudes down over his tight ends. Then it becomes a bear, or it could be a cub. There's a lot of things. It could be a vice. It could be a ton of things, right? But when you say jam, it hits the O-line a little bit different. It just means there's like five guys up here, and it tells you that three of them are standing over the core. So you can figure out where the other two are without being an idiot, right? Like they're never going to be out leveraged. So well, they're probably yeah, There's also four other dudes to the left of the guard and not very many Vikings defenders. That doesn't seem good. You're in a jam front, right? You're kind of based up here, and I think there's still a guy to the right, right? There's a there's a receiver to the right. Just a two by two. Let's back it up here real quick. Just Go ahead, back see. it up. Let me see this formation. Two by two, we in doubles, deuce, dot. Go ahead. Go ahead and play it. So it starts out like that. So these, these linebackers should shift over a little bit more. So, right here, see how Zadarius kind of gets pinned in there? Mm-hmm. It's tricky because now I got you out leveraged, right? Yeah. It's going to be tricky, tricky, tricky. Go ahead. Now let's go back to the uh... – Yeah, take it back here. So, come up. You see doubles. This could be dose, a lot of things. They're in two by two. At the last second, he comes up and he shifts them. Brings this tight end over here. I think that's Tunyon, right? Mm-hmm. So that's our true tight end. He comes back here to this. We would call this like a brown position, right? Like the running backs are in a different position than they should be. Could be red. Could be blue. I don't know what they call it. We call it like something like a red or a blue, something special. Like blue, motion to blue left. And it would bring him over here, right? See how the 39 and 58 start to move with them? They should square up a little bit more. You got seven dudes over here. You should start coming over here more. But they also don't want to get out scheme because it could easily be a, a jet sweep to the right, right? Like right out to Daniil. Would I do that with Daniil there? Probably not. That would not be smart. Go ahead, hit play. And so Zadarius jumps in here. 
What's the Darius doing on this? I mean, yeah, he's so playing this, right into what the Packers wanted to do. This play right here, we would probably call this a Zorro gang. Like, we would just tell everybody, hey, listen, we're going to flip the ball out quick. We need everyone to just get out there and get leveraged. And what Zadarius does to help them is see how he comes in there right there. Now you're out leveraged. Because, yeah. look, the tight end's outside of him before he can even pull himself back out. And who's the next guy in there? David Bakhtiari. Mm-hmm. He's the best. And there's no question he is the best. Look how fast he reaches him. You see that? You're out leveraged. That's your number one problem. Your number two problem, you have a fullback right now on a linebacker and a lot of green grass right there. This becomes a problem. Wow. Yeah, it's a great job of out leveraging them, but at the same time, sometimes pass rushers do this because they think it's going the other way. Like if you go back, they come in here, cause they, and this was what J.J. Watt made a lot of his money on is, see, he would start out there, and then he kind of ticked down in here and try to hit that gap because he knows that those tight ends aren't strong enough. And so maybe he's thinking it could be power this way. He's thinking it could be zone the other way, and I'm just trying to skate through here. But what happens is while he does that, it plays into their hand. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Every once in a while, this happens. They take a gamble, and they miss. It's okay. Like, I'm not going to get mad at you for trying to do something crazy and trying to change it up. But at the same time, this is kind of part of the theory of my one guy every play kind of ruins it. You know what I'm saying? Like, the whole year it seemed like everybody was on their P's and Q's. Everybody was playing super tough. Everybody was understanding what they needed to do. And then this one game, one guy is out of position. Or one guy doesn't get his block. Or one guy doesn't make the throw or make the catch or, you know, do whatever he's supposed to do as a pro. Yeah. And it turns into a huge molly whopping, right? And it is what it is. Yeah, one more week. You got to regroup and you got to get back into it because I think it was Tony. I saw an article or something and Tony was talking about how Green Bay is super hot right now and they're catching this fire at the perfect time. And you and I have already talked about this. If you catch that fire in December, you just carry it right over in January. And I'm not saying it's over for the Vikings because they lost a game. Uh-huh. I'm just saying they need to get back on track right now. You have one more game, and then you're going right into the playoffs. Yeah, would you – see, this is it's kind of good news, bad news here in that the Vikings have shown an ability to bounce back from getting their ass kicked and just win, win games again. But this feels a little different with no Brian O'Neill. Garrett Bradbury has missed five games, and he's, he's trying to get his back right for the wild right. card weekend so just losing one of the best right tackles in the NFL is it's huge it's a different circumstance that you're going to be playing with here yeah um, so here's why and I'm I'm gonna be very blunt okay I'm in one of those moods I saw Brian the other day and I was heartbroken and I was thinking as I saw him I was like you know the reason that it's worked so well is because you have Brian over here you have Ed Ingram Bradbury, who's played not so bad this year, right? We've all can agree he's gotten yeah, better. He's going to make some money. Mm-hmm. Ezra Cleveland, who's played very well, in my opinion, once again. Mm-hmm. And Darisaw. They're like, man, yeah, Kirk's been getting hit a lot. It seems to be like one offender, right? The problem is when you only have to worry about one guy up front, it's not so hard, right? Like you kind of slide to him every now and then. You push him a lot of love. You let people know when they're coming out, hey, I need you to chip through the B gap now, not through the A gap. Like there's always ways to change that. When you got a right tackle down, you got to worry about the right guard, and now your center last week was having snap problems, changes the whole mindset of everybody, right? Now everybody just gets super tight and like, oh, God, now we got to – and my biggest fear is that they're going to come out and everyone's going to try and do too much. 
And there's the old saying that Bill Belichick made famous, do your job. Just <laughs> do your job. And it'll get done, right? But then all of a sudden, guys are like, well, we're down a couple guys. I'm going to be a hero today. I'm going to go out. I'm going to block two guys at once. I'm going to show this team that I'm the leader. And, and all of a sudden, it just crumbles. And you're like, dude, what happened? And it's like everybody just tried so hard to do so much instead of just doing their damn job and going out there and saying, hey, the coach has got it figured out. There'll be a tight end to the right. We'll have Dalvin going through the B gap. We'll be sliding to the right. Whatever, whatever. We can be creative too. But instead it's like you have to think you're going into the playoffs. You're going to be playing the best teams. You better be really creative. Yeah. Especially because Brian's not going to be coming back for a while. Bradbury needs to come back quickly because you need to get some familiarity back in there, something with a good pulse, something that's like, hey, guys, remember me? We were kicking ass when I was here. I'm back. <laughs> back still hurts like hell, but I'm going to do it. Like, and I'm going to be straight with you. This is another one of those times in your life where you're like, hey, listen, we're going to the playoffs, dude. Enough. Your back hurts. My back hurts. My head hurts. My knees hurt. Shut up. Get out there. No. I, I think that's what's going to happen. It's going to happen. Somebody's probably already called him like, dude, enough of this. You're back. I don't care what your agent says. I don't care what your wife says. You're in this game. <laughs> You're playing. I can't do this without you anymore, man. We don't even know the snap code. <laughs> We're all jumping off sides out of control. How <laughs> many phone calls I used to have to make like that? Man, you don't get it, man. The huddle's not the same. I don't have anybody to make fun of. Nobody's fighting with me. I'm out here alone. Nuts, I've man. taken nine false start penalties. This guy can't figure out the snap. Yo, true story. We had a guy one time come in, and he was a moron. And he snapped the ball on one, and it was on two. We were in Pittsburgh. It was third and 20. It was a double count. He snapped the ball. Now, I don't know if you get this, but when you snap the ball, they don't stop the play because nobody blocked. No. They let it go. When you, so yeah. when I'm looking late, back. When you snap it late, it's a false start on the other guys. When you snap it early, the play is running. But, dude, I'm looking <laughs> back, right? I give him the first hand, and I'm over here, and me and Staley are like, all right, we're good. And you know me. I'm playing Cam Hayward. I'm in the mood. I'm like, I got to be ready to go. I got no subscap in my right arm, so I got nothing to throw with. And I'm looking back, and as I look back, I see this brown thing coming out the back. <laughs> and I turn this way, and I go, no way that just happened. And I see Cam Hayward go right by me, like, later, buddy. Okay. Cap was so mad. He was like, are you kidding me? I did. I wasn't even looking. I was looking back. <laughs> He's looking at me like, was it on one? No, it was definitely on two. Definitely that, on the, two. The, the brown thing flying back could have been one of two things Dude, in that moment. Could have been I'm both. telling you right now, the stories... So worth it. Everything. <laughs> See the ball come back? No way. Yep. There that it happened. goes. Yeah. <laughs> you should have seen the coach on the sideline. I mean, like, tablet, broken, headset, broken, took a dude, broke him, came off, looked at the center, was like, you, come here. <laughs> I swear, I told him it was on two. <laughs> <laughs> Problem was, we couldn't fire anybody that year. We were in game two. We had just beat you guys on Monday night. I tore my subscap blocking Linval, and all of a sudden I'm out there against Pittsburgh, second week, and we were all like, once we saw that snap go back, we were like, it's over. That's the season, boys. This kid doesn't even know the snap count. <laughs> Mike ID, he doesn't even know what Mike means. 
I'm telling you, man, some of the things you've got to fight through and people are just calling you stupid and you suck and you're like, I'm not even doing anything wrong. <laughs> I, think, I, think the, I think the thing that, that we have all learned the most with you going back years on this show, you know, we sit here and you make fun of like offensive linemen for I being know. an idiot here and there. Like them. it is a very hard, cerebral, intricate position. It's a lot. You guys, it, it isn't just a bunch of 310-pound monsters hand-fighting each other. No. It's mechanical. There are, you know, a guy like, not to keep piling on Chris Reed, but I don't think Chris Reed was just daydreaming in class all season. He's no, been, he wasn't. He's been on the team. He's been He's been at practice in the film room, everything, right? He's been in the league for seven years. He's, uh-huh. He has played a bunch of games as a guard in the NFL. And it's not like he just got out there and he's an idiot. No, he's you know, not. It's, it's hard. It it's is, extremely the hard. The bullets I'm, are flying. You're on the road. You're playing the Packers. It's not easy. And that's what it is. And it's that little person in your head that's always, like, doubting you. And it's like, I know for me the hardest thing was always the snap count because I was so into, like, what's the formation? And then you get up there and you're like, okay, what's the defense? Okay, it's exactly what they said it was. This was not a pressure look. Okay, they see the safety. There's two of them back there. It doesn't look like any problems. All right, here you go. One snap. All of a sudden, safety starts shifting, and you're like, oh, boy. They said this would happen. Oh, boy. Who's doing what? Where's everybody going? And when you're the guy with the hand on the ball, and they've never done that, and everything starts moving around you, and you're in pure chaos, dude, it's a lot, man. And I know that people are really like, but you're a pro. And I agree with you. Like, you get out there, and you got to know what you're doing, but sometimes the vibe isn't right, and you're just not a center. Like, has anyone ever thought that? Like, hey – my guy really just stepped in there doing a job that he wasn't really known to do, and he did somewhat of an adequate job. But, yeah, there's things that could be better. But it's it's just so hard to explain because snapping a ball is not as easy as anyone thinks it is. It is extremely difficult, especially because while you're snapping, you have to move your left hand, and then you have to move your right leg. And at the same time, the ball has to be completely straight coming back. And if the quarterback just misses it at all, it's on the ground. And guess what? It's not his fault. He's making $33 million. You're making no. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I should God, I should embarrass you right now. I just I just pulled up Alex Boone's Pro Football Focus page. Oh, oh, oh. And you know, it's you know, you can you they can They hate take a jab. me, so I don't There's, really care. No, they don't, dude. No, they actually they actually really like you. Except for like your one season in Arizona. They didn't like you in Arizona. But they gave you very good grades throughout your entire career. And what I was gonna say is a lot of Vikings fans remember the 2016 season as being, rightfully so, this buzzkill. You guys started 5-0 and and everything spiraled and everything. And, you know, and Boone was the free agent that was going to come in and save the offensive line. He was gone after a year. And I just want to tell people, um, you had, in those two years, your last year in San Francisco and then your year with the Vikings, you only allowed 16 pressures all season in your one year with the Vikings. Just to put that into context, the like the guards who are the guards who are active this year, like Dakota Dozier, uh, in 2020, I just pulled up a random year, gave up like 50 pressures, for instance, right? So you you gave up one pressure per game in your year with the Vikings, and your career was similar with San Francisco too. So I just want people to know that you were a dude. You were a dude that. when you played in the NFL, even if you don't maybe get that that credit sometimes from Vikings fans. You know what's so funny is a lot of people still talk a lot of mess like, oh, you know. I still have the picture of the grade sheet from that year because I knew everything was coming down the pipe. And every once in a while when someone's like, you weren't even that good, 
I'll just go back and look at that page, and I'll be like, no, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tony's, Tony's handwriting's right here, and he actually said <laughs> I gave up one sack. One sack? PFF had it at one sack, too? Out of 895 passes, I gave up one sack. Mm-hmm. I suck, huh? Okay. Pretty good. Pretty good. Did that with a blown-out knee, too, and a blown-out back. Dude, I told you, I played this game because I loved it. I didn't want money. I don't want fame. I just wanted the respect of everybody around me. And it's so fun now to talk to these guys, especially because I have these young kids that I'm working with. And to be able to call people and be like, hey, I need you, like, talking to AQ Shipley, you know, who's on McAfee's show all the time. I'm like, yo, Q, I need you to come in real quick. I got a couple centers. They want to know some things about the mic point. You think you could stop in and see us? And he's like, bro, no problem. When you need me there. I'm like, dude. You know what that's because? That's because you, sh- you said yes when you should have said no, right? Hey, you playing this week? You're damn right I am. Yeah. You got those pills, right? You got those for me? Oh, yeah, I'm in. I'm in this one with you, Bubby. Oh, my God. Right? Like, knowing you're going to lose the game, you're like, yo, let's go see how many teeth we can knock out. <laughs> let's get some. Hey, what and then you, man. you know, seriously, this is terrible to say, but, like, Towards the end of the season, I, I think about this a lot when I watch these teams that have no chance of playing. I think about all the times that, like, we would get knocked out of the playoffs, which is not very not very common. But, like, you'd be in the game, you'd be like, this game means nothing, and you'd be in a TV timeout, you'd be like, dude, hey, where are we eating tonight? Where are we going to dinner? We're getting a big steak, right? I'm playing really good. I'm balling out, dude. I'm kicking <laughs> this dude's ass. We're not even going to the playoffs. Yeah, that's going <laughs> to love me on Monday. It's, it's so great. Dude, I'm surprised they like me because I talk so much mess about them just because I don't think they're valid. I, don't, I, I would love to know who's breaking down their film and what they think. And yeah. It's hard because it's film. like for, for average Joes like me, I can't watch a football game and tell you with, with context of the rest of the league, here's about how good Christian Derrissaw is relative to the other you know, Dude, 86 tackles. He made the all-pro you, team. But you can do that because you, you can watch a guy play. I mean, yeah, I mean, we see he's a pro bowler yeah. and stuff. But, but like, you can watch guys play with a trained eye and having been in the league for 10 years. But, like, most – so I think the, I, PFF is not perfect. No. But it, it helps the average fan put into perspective trenches, positions that they wouldn't otherwise have a clue about. And it helps sort of quantify some of these things. And then you need, then they need to get better people to quantify it. And I want to know who's quantifying it. Like, it better be Joe Thomas, the greatest to ever do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think he might be busy. But that's the own. point, then. Then who's breaking it down, right? Because you go to one room in the NFL, and a coach believes one thing. And then you go to another room, and he believes another thing. And then you go to another room, and he's talking about something completely different. And you're like, dude, I thought there was only two options. Yeah. Well, I would say, though, that the fact that Tony Sperano had, had you graded basically the same as PFF in 2016 is interesting. Kind of is interesting. Kind of One creepy. sack in 873 snaps at uh, at left guard. 556 pass blocking snaps. 16 pressures. One sack. We love having you on the show. I love you, dude. Great breakdown again. Know. You know what? We need to uh, pull Giants film. We need to. Start They're going to play the Giants in the first round. Listen, as once it goes through next week, we're going to break down what we think they're going to do. Okay. What. What worked the first time we played them, and that's that could be a double-edged sword having played them already. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't fear the Vikings at this point. I don't think anyone does, and that might be to the Vikings' advantage. Just to be honest with you, though, if you ever ask someone if they're afraid of someone, if they said yes, would you judge them? Because I would, right? Like <laughs> if somebody comes point. in my locker room and they're like, "Are you afraid?" and your boys are standing right next to you, you're going to be like, "Listen, 
It's going to be tough. I'm a no, nervous. you're going to be like, no, nah, dude, just we're just going to You want some of this? You come over here to New York. You come wherever. Like, you're just going to go crazy. You're going to yeah. be like, no, dude, we're not afraid. Because if you ever put out there, oh, man, these guys are really tough. Could you imagine? That's why it's like you can't believe what you hear from these guys. It's almost like we were trained to be like, I'm ready to do whatever. Like, just all <laughs> the time. The choppas. People are like, dude, you can barely walk. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. To... Everything's fine. There's no cameras in here, but oh, thank God. <laughs> fall over it's okay it's amazing alright so we're gonna yeah, we'll, next week we'll put a focus on what they may do against likely the Giants and some other shenanigans and, and what uh, the Giants are notorious for and what they've been doing all year dude I've warned you man Dayball's a crazy dude and the thing about him is at any moment anything can happen any moment they could just spread him out why because we want to I'm telling you it's but one time I'm excited to watch some of their film, break it down, and we'll talk about it. You Let's and me. Let's do it. Let's right do it. Back. There he is, Alex Boone. Football. Bringing the knowledge. Me, mostly bringing the half-baked uh, one-liners. And we'll see you guys next week on Trenches with Boone here.